Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. My shepherd is always with me, especially when I'm in the valley of despair. Here's why. In order for there to be a shadow, think about this, there has to be light. If there's no light, you don't have a shadow. The only thing that can cast a shadow is light. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. By understanding that God is always with us, we will gain the ability to make it through even the worst of situations. Pastor J.D. reminds us that the light of God is always upon us. Even the darkest of times, a shadow remains because His light never allows total darkness. If you're in hard times, look to God, knowing that He will guide you through. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 23 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. But he's always protecting me. But in that protection, there's also direction because sheep need to be directed. Sheep need to be protected, but sheep need to be directed. Here's a second one. Because the Lord is my shepherd, And I want you to think about this because I know that it can seem like a firm grasp of the obvious. But I want you to think about this. There will never, ever, ever be a time when I am in want because the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I will never lack. I will never, ever have a need that he will not provide for me. If he doesn't provide it, then it must be that I don't really need it. Because he will provide whatever I need. I will never be in want because the Lord is my shepherd. Do you know who my shepherd is? The Lord is my shepherd. Do you know what that means? If the Lord is my shepherd, I I will want for no thing. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Thirdly, my shepherd keeps me so safe. And this is interesting. That I'm able to peacefully lie down in lush pastures from which I eat and beside still waters from which I drink and I am satiated. I am fully satisfied regardless of what is going on around me. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I want to recommend a book that I have in my library. It is a treasured classic. It's by Philip Keller. It's a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. He has some very interesting insight into the difficulty with sheep lying down. Uh, (laughs) um, It's not easy to get sheep to do things. You know, sheep get spooked, for lack of a better word, easily. They, I remember on the mainland when my boys were very little, there was a sister in the church that 
uh, raised sheep. She said, hey, why don't you bring the boys out and, and uh, you know, to our, uh, you know, place and we'll show you a little, a few things about sheep. Boy, was that interesting. I mean, I had sermon material for a year just from that one, <laughs> that one, uh, you know, experience. But it was really um, interesting because, well, first of all, my, my boys were chasing them and man, they ran. They ran from them. And <laughs> there was not one time where I saw one sheep lying down, just kind of, you know, chilling. You just didn't see it. Well, here's what Philip Keller writes. He writes that sheep do not lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. Listen to this. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. Because they are social animals, this is really interesting, they will not lie down if there's friction among the sheep. How's that one? If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. And then he says this, and I love the, the iteration. He says, rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. Oh, and the Lord makes me to lie down. How does he do that? Oh, <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord satiates any hunger. He provides my every need. And he protects me. I'm not going to be afraid. I can lie down. It's okay. God's got this. And he will take care of everything. These four and many more conditions have been met because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, when you're reading God's word, when you're studying God's word, and certainly when you're teaching God's word, I, I always envision the emphasis because, you know, it's, sometimes it's not how, what you say, it's how you say what you say. So you know how the, the emphasis on a certain word can change the whole complexion of what's said. So let's take that in the context of just the opening words of this amazing psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay? How about this emphasis? The Lord is my shepherd. Oh. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. How about this one? The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, he, he's your shepherd? Yeah. He's your shepherd. How about this one? The Lord is my shepherd. He's your? Yeah. Oh. He's your, you know how, I think about my kids, you'll forgive me, <laughs> but, um, you know, they'll sometimes run into this, you know, situation where somebody will say, especially my, my firstborn son, because of that genetic, you know, <laughs> similarity, just by looking at him, they'll go, are you Pastor J.D.'s son? To which he'll respond, yeah, that's my father. <laughs> I 
I hope he says it like that. It's not like, you know, yeah, that's my father. No, no it's, that's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. That's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Number four. When, not if, I fail and falter, and I will fail, and I will falter. My shepherd restores my soul. How so? He does so by redirecting me and leading me back onto the path of righteousness for his namesake. And you have to understand the name is the nature, right? That's just who God is. And again, this, this speaks to that dynamic of both protection and direction. It's a dual restoration, if you will. We, we wander off the path and God brings us back. And this kind of ties into the fifth one, which also sort of ties into the sixth one. The fifth one's interesting, and I want you to think this through with me. Again, when, not if, I go through a very dark valley in the shadow of death. You know those dark passages of the night, as one has called it? The anguish of the soul. It's that season in your life where you're just in this dark, lonely, scary valley. Well, when, not if, you're in that valley, you will not be paralyzed by fear. You will not be fearful of evil, fearful of danger, fearful of harm. Because the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. Now, This again ties in with the sixth one, which is this. My shepherd is always with me, especially when I'm in the valley of despair. Here's why. In order for there to be a shadow, think about this, there has to be light. If there's no light, you don't have a shadow. The only thing that can cast a shadow is light. And notice it's in the valley of the shadow of death. You know what that means? My shepherd is with me in that valley. My shepherd is with me in that valley of the shadow of death. Charles Spurgeon, again, just says it best this way. Listen to this. Death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. Someone has said that when there is a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel and the light of heaven shining upon him 
throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway, even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. It has an inexpressibly delightful application to the dying, but it is for the living too. The words are not in the future tense and therefore are not reserved for a distant moment. Uh, What do we know to be true throughout the Old Testament? That there are shadows and types, types that point to the person of Jesus Christ. He's the light. And this is the, the shadow. The exhortation in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Hebrews, is do not worship the shadow. Jesus is the substance of that shadow. It's Jesus, not the shadow, not the type. Don't worship the shadow. The shadow points you to the person from whom that shadow is made. It'd be as absurd as if I were to pull up in the driveway at home, get out of the car, and my uh, daughter, Sabia, runs out and starts, Oh, Baba, and starts hugging my shadow instead of me. What are you... What are you doing? That's the shadow. I'm here. Hello? The Lord is with you. The Lord is your shepherd and he is with you in that valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes it doesn't seem like he's there, but he is. Sometimes it doesn't feel like he's there, but we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things yet unseen. We, by faith, can know, by faith, that he is there. Not sight, I don't see him. I'm not going to necessarily feel him, but he is there in that valley, no matter how bad it gets. Number seven, my shepherd will always comfort me with his rod and his staff, which makes me feel safe and secure no matter the situation. You know, the rod is interesting. And again, it it has this this dual purpose. The shepherd would, (laughs) when uh, he's trying to direct or redirect the sheep, he would, you know, poke the sheep, you know, and the sheep would... "Ah!" Whatever noise sheep make, I don't, I'm trying, bad, whatever the, the, the sound is. But he'll use it to prod them and direct them or, you know, redirect them. But it's also a rod of protection against wolves. Oh, yeah. Wolves, the greatest threat to the sheep. And oh, by the way, I think David knew a thing or two about shepherding a flock. And isn't it interesting that he would pen these words inspired by the Holy Spirit 
and in them describe how he, though a shepherd, would so beautifully and magnificently pen these words about the Lord being his shepherd. He's the shepherd of shepherds. How many times did his shepherd direct him, prod him, protect him, redirect him when he got off the path? Remember now, this was the sweet psalmist of Israel. This was a man after God's own heart, but he was also a murderer. He was an adulterer. Two crimes, two sins that at that time were punishable by death. Death. I don't want to get ahead of myself again, but um, it should come as no surprise that he would say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He was on the receiving end of God's mercy. It's been said of mercy that it's God not paying you as your sins deserve. And grace on the other side of that is when God gives you what you don't deserve. And I, there's this beautiful uh, marriage, for lack of a better word, of between grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. I need them both. <laughs> I need them both. Number eight. My shepherd loves me so much that he will discipline me whenever I wander away into dangerous and deadly places. I'm, I'm thinking of the writer of Hebrews that says, don't despise it. Don't resent it. When God disciplines you, he disciplines those whom he loves. I was having this conversation with my daughter in our devotionals, and she was talking about, you know, I, I just feel like that, um, you know, maybe God is disciplining me. And I tried to put it into perspective and, you know, tell her that, you know, sometimes God will give us a spiritual spanking. To which she responded, it was so cute. She said, Baba, I think God's spanking me. <laughs> I said, you know, that's a good thing. Because you know what that means? That means that you're his child. Because, listen, as parents, we're not going to spank somebody else's child, right? I mean, you're, you're sitting in a restaurant and here's these unruly kids. And they're running all over the restaurant. And, and, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, when those parents do something? I'm going to get over there and <laughs> don't do it. But could you imagine if you were to get up and go over there and spank somebody else's? You can't do that. Why? They're not your kids. You can spank your kids. You can't spank somebody else's kids. This, this is the way that we know that we're his children. Because he disciplines us. He spanks us if you prefer. That's how we know. I wish there was another way to know. <laughs> 
I wish there was a different way to have that assurance that yes, I'm, I'm his child. But no, the assurance is that he disciplines those whom he loves. Number nine. This is a very interesting one. And if you're here tonight or you're watching this online and you've just got adversity at every turn, everyone it seems and everything is against you and there's nothing but turmoil and chaos, listen to this. My shepherd will prepare a table in the midst of my enemies. So I am able to feast and be nourished sufficiently and peacefully. Let me um, quote Spurgeon on this because he explains it best this way. Listen to this. When a soldier is in the presence of his enemies, if he eats at all, he snatches a hasty meal and away he hastens to the fight. But observe, thou preparest a table, just as a servant does when she unfolds the damask cloth. The damask cloth was a uh, uh, a woven fabric with Uh, designs on both the uh, top and the bottom was used to beautifully adorn a table. Just as the servant does when she unfolds the damask cloth and displays the ornaments of the feast on an ordinary peaceful occasion. Nothing is hurried. There is no confusion, no disturbance. The enemy is at the door, and yet God prepares a table, and the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were in perfect peace? Yeah. Yeah, but the enemies are all around me. Everything is against me. Yeah, but the Lord is my shepherd, and he's going to prepare a table And just like he makes me to lie down, he will also make me to sit down and eat. You have to understand something in the Middle Eastern culture. We we totally, in this Western culture, have, sad actually, (laughs) because we don't have any idea of the cultural dynamics of eating together. Now the local culture here in Hawaii, I think, comes close. But you have to understand, and by the way, this uh, comports with the communion table. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. 
we'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.